Welcome to A Court of Transformation and Awakening. I'm Lori Gray. And I'm Amanda Grace Harrison. And in this episode, we are talking about book one. As a whole. As a whole. Because we just finished our chapter by chapter read through. And so we thought we'd turn on the mic. No real plan. (laughs) And just talk about, just talk about all of it. And what our thoughts were. I still think it's super cool. We we've been spend time, spending time celebrating that we actually got a whole whole book one, which I guess we're calling season one. Yeah, podcast season out. Season one. It's super fun. We like finished a thing. We started a thing and finished a thing. Oh my gosh, we did it! It was a thing in our minds, and then it exists in the world. There's a there's a saying out there that's like launch at 80%. Like like basically don't wait until you're entirely ready to do something. Like launch when you're like 80% ready. But I don't think we launched at 80. I think we launched at... We were way shy of 80. 20, 23 and a half. 20, 23.356. <laughs> I think it's exactly... Exactly. 23.356%. We were way... Ready. Here we go. Way shy of 80. Gosh, it's been so fun. I think that was the thing, like, and we, we, I don't know if we mentioned this in the podcast anywhere or not, but at the beginning of this year, maybe in, it may have been in January, I should go back. I had like decided, I'm like, okay, I think it was maybe the end of last year, like November, December. I was like, okay, I definitely want to do a podcast. And I think in January, I even announced to my audience that, okay, podcast coming soon, like tune in here. And I like set it up and then never did it because every time I would get ready, I just didn't feel, well, that's the thing, like. In my head, it made sense to do a podcast, but I just didn't feel super passionate about it. And then I would sit down, I would like outline stuff. I'm like, okay, that's kind of interesting. And, eh, you know, and that's like, it was, it was good. Like it would have been good, but it wasn't enough to like get me out of bed and, and making it happen. Um, and my husband also always lets me know that I need a co-host because he's like, well, I just need a co-host. Um, <laughs> leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Um, but this was, but there was no part of me that thought this would be what it was. This is so random. This just came out of nowhere. It just came out of nowhere. But gosh, it's I had never even heard of these books and, as of like January. Until like January 10th or something. And you I'd set, never heard you of set them. goals in January as well that had to do with yeah. getting a podcast. I, yeah, I wanted to have 12 episodes of a podcast finished and published by the end of this year. Woohoo. And you passed that knew. by a long shot. We've almost tripled that. So. And, like, and I do think, I think there are some parallels to that with the book and like what we've read and with like dreaming. And I don't know, I think sometimes you just have to, you have to take steps and sometimes, so one of the things we see Feyre talk about in these books is like figuring out what she wants and not knowing exactly what she wants. And she has this like, okay, this very small dream that she wants to move towards, but it's not like the big thing. And we talked about how sometimes we give ourselves a hard time for like not knowing exactly what we want when we haven't really practiced it but also i think there's something to be said of just whatever you do know like just owning that's okay i know i want to do a podcast and no i don't know on what yet but it's enough to know that i want to do a podcast because once we declare i want to do a podcast this year then you start looking for what it might be about and then when an opportunity presents itself it's like oh that that's yeah. the thing and i didn't know that piece and we didn't know that piece because we hadn't had that conversation yet we couldn't have been expected to know that piece but the fact that we knew we wanted to do a podcast was enough um and, and wait and this didn't even start out as a podcast like no, we, we weren't even talking about 
a podcast until we were like partway into our mm -hmm. whole conversation about a group coaching program based yep. on the books. And then we're like, well, what if we, I don't even remember how podcast yep. worked its way in, but yep. it was like once, now that we've actually finished, I'm like, that makes so much sense. I don't know why we just didn't think of that in the first place. See, and I think that was part, I think that that was part of my original thought of what it would be, but yeah, but it wasn't necessarily part of the original plan. And it took, and it took a minute. I think it took yeah, talking things out. But the fact that we both at the beginning of the year had had this in intention to do a podcast, yeah. I think is was a huge part of it. Um, anyway, so it's super cool. And we've just talked so many times, guys, about like how, how fun it's been to be able to just sit down and like read a chapter and then just just record thoughts on it. Um, and the fact that there are those of you who are actually listening to it <laughs> and then telling us you're enjoying listening to it. Um, it's been so much fun because I, I feel like we kind of would do this no matter what, but then getting feedback that people actually enjoy um, enjoy is just talking about whatever has been the coolest thing ever. But I mean, I think the you know so many. I mean, I've just come away with so many like personal lessons as an entrepreneur through this because I think sometimes as a person who part of the the cycles that I've been working on breaking, you know, are the people pleasing kinds of cycles, and I can so get in my head of like. Okay, what what do people want? What do other people want? And there's there's a wisdom of like market research and things like that. And like we part of the reason we felt pretty confident with this is like it's such people are obsessed with this book. Like there's such a mm -hmm. cult following. So it's not like there was no research, but I think when you do something just based on like what will other people like, it's not as powerful as us being like, we would do this for free, which is good because initially when you do any project, it's going to be for free. So far, this project has only cost us money. Right. But, <laughs> but the idea of like, we wanted to do it because we wanted to do it. We were like, we want to talk about these books anyways. We want to geek out about these books anyways. Like what if we, you know, recorded it and to have a, to have an, a, a project that's built around something that we just love and to notice how different it's felt hmm. doing this compared to some of the other projects I've engaged in in the past that were more about trying to create something for other people. It's just been a vastly, wildly different experience. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so that's not about the book at all. That was just about, not about the book. At that all. was about our experience with the podcast. But, but it did remind me, part of that conversation reminded me of just in the I, I don't know why I was some, somewhere early in what you were saying about like not knowing what you want or not knowing what you want to do in that whole situation where so many people, especially women, um, when you ask them what they want, they're like, I don't know. And then you see that in Farrah. She's like, I don't know. But really, we know that she wants to paint, but she just doesn't want to say that out loud because she's embarrassed of it and she mm. just, or, you know, she thinks she's no good. And there's a, there's a lot of jokes in the, uh, in the fandom about how bad fairy is. I don't think she's that bad at painting because, you know, when Tamlin looks at her art, he is able to recognize what it's a, what it's a painting of. So it can't be that bad. But, uh, but there's just that. I think whenever we say, I don't know, and I have no idea for me, I know there's always like, there's a kernel. Cause there's always still that like, well, I would still really love to do acting. And I don't want to say that out loud most of the time because it's so embarrassing and it is so like, okay, mm. oh my gosh, I'm actually could cry about this right now. Um, but like I moved out here 22 years ago to do that. So to say that out loud is like, wow, I do still want to do that. And yes, mm. life turned out differently. And I'm so glad it did because if I had become successful as an actress back when I was in my early 20s, 
I I would probably be dead right now. I would have had an I would have OD'd. I would have done something where I would just, or I'd be in jail. <laughs> Who knows where I would be? But I wouldn't be here right now, and I wouldn't have my four amazing kids. But I do still have that, and so I I can relate to Farah when she just doesn't say it out loud, even mm-hmm. though she knows she always knows that she wants to paint. And when mm-hmm. Damlin asks her, she's like, "We have no idea." She just goes blank. But we know she's not really blank. And when I talk to other people. I'm I always like one I like want to just pry open their head and go do you really not know or is there that mm. thing that you're just not willing to say out loud because it sounds so embarrassing or you know you feel like you're too old or you're just so like by this time in life you would need to have been working on it since you were 4 and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing to really give it to do it justice but yeah, but yeah there's that that's so powerful I'm so glad you shared that thanks yeah. Which I mean, I mean, I have to say, like, talking about like being embarrassed about stuff, like at this point, so yeah, like I'm a life coach and like, I'm, I'm not necessarily, okay. I think I am a little embarrassed about that at times, even though I'm already doing it. It's not even a dream. It's like a thing that I'm doing, but it's become a thing that people mock at this point because I don't know. And if, if you guys aren't in the, in that world, it's different, but because, Give me an example. People well, it's like life coaching. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, it's not a regulated industry. Like any person can just be like, I'm a life coach. And some mm. people don't really have any business being a mm. life coach. And like the joke is like in LA, like throw a rock and you'll hit an actor or, or like a wannabe actor or a life coach, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. <laughs> Kill two birds with one stone. Uh, right? just, <laughs> just throw a boulder this direction and you'll get us both. Um, it's like if, That's you're, right. like if you're in LA and then a lot of people are like, well, I tried to be an actor and failed. So I became a life so coach because- instead. Um, <laughs> Okay. But but a lot of people are like, oh, like that it's like a fake career. It's like, oh, that's cute. Oh, like wow. there there's a little bit of like being like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm the same thing with acting too. Well, I mean, there's so five billion trillion yeah. just in the population of LA alone. Mm-hmm. So it's it is a little more like I have a screenplay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Get in the back of the line, homie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can I I haven't heard that about life coaches, but that sucks. <laughs> A little bit, a little bit. It's it's probably, you know, pretty good for me to be, for my own healing, to be in an industry that is like that, where, or even like there's been a number of times where I felt myself um, pushed or like wanting to go get some like letters behind my name. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I'll go get, I'll go get like my master's in psychology. So then, mm-hmm. and like the, you know, I found a, actually the, the college that I went to before has like a master's in psychology with like a life coaching thing. And I'm like, oh, I should do that. And the thing is, I actually may do that because I'm interested in it. But the only reason would be able, or at the time, the reason I wanted to do it was to try to like prove that what I'm doing is actually real. Yeah. It's not this just like pretend um, career. And it isn't, you know, it's interesting, like, and how much of that is, again, back to Feyre, it's like how much of that is just me how much of that's internalized how much of that's come from other people but I think you make a great point here of a lot of people say they don't know what they want but it's like is that really true is that really true because she now that now what I see from the books and as we look at like where we're going to go in the books is I do think one of the things we talked about early in the episodes is that you look at the beginning of the chapter or the book, you look at the first several chapters, we see her trauma, we see her life. And I do think this is dreaming small. Mm. 
because that's as far as she can see based on what she's been through. Yeah. But that's that's but that's how it always works. Like whatever dream we have is always smaller than what the eventual thing is because we can't we can't see it till we can see it. Just like with this podcast, we knew like podcasts, but we didn't know this until we got there. Um but yeah, but the, so I think that all of us are always dreaming smaller than probably what the eventual goal is that that's happening simultaneously, but but the unwillingness to say the part that we do know and the part yeah. that we do want and and why why that is um there are really fascinating questions um yeah <sighs> she she did know well and some of it i do think is some of it i think is putting things in a box i mean i remember thinking about like what is it that i actually like love and enjoy i'm like i just like sitting around and have like really deep conversations with people and there's a part of this that sounds so egotistical, but whenever I would go have like coffee dates with people and people like, hey, can I take you out to, for coffee and like pick your brain? Like I just wanted to like ask you questions and people who wanted to sit me down and ask me questions about parenting or ask me questions about diet or ask me questions about whatever. I'm like, I love it when people take me out for coffee and then ask me questions and hear, want to hear what I have to say about it. And the, the idea that I basically took that, which was my favorite moments, and turned that into a career are hilarious. It's genius. It's hilarious. But but initially, I do remember writing that off when somebody was like looking at, it was like zone of genius kind of work or um, strengths finder things. It's like, what are you good at? What do you enjoy? Like, where does time pass? I'm like, because I think I initially was like, well, you can't well, yeah, I like going on coffee dates with people. Who doesn't like going on coffee mm -hmm. dates with people? You can't make a career out of that. Or can, or can you? you? Yeah, but I'm like, how many people have a dream or a vision or a thing that they're just, they're discounting because they can't see what's what's yeah. possible as well? Because I, I think there's something like, oh, yeah, but that's just a hobby. Yeah. Like, that can't be a thing that I made money off of. That couldn't be a career. That couldn't be the the thing, but... Like you said, whatever it is, like maybe it's embarrassment, maybe it's self-imposed limitations, maybe it's, you know, whatever it is. And maybe it doesn't ever make money. And maybe that's not the point The point of it at all. Maybe it's, I don't, I haven't finished this series. I don't know if painting ever has a purpose in Feyre's life other than just her having fun. Um, I know the but, answer. I know. <laughs> figured you would but fortunately i can't spoil that for I you because i don't know and that's a, and that's a hard part about this too because there's so many things like this where like here at the end of book one i want to talk about the other things but as we do this podcast if you guys hadn't noticed we're trying to for the most part not skip ahead so our goal is to track with all the books and just only talk about like what we know up to that point in the podcast but i think we're both looking forward to once we've completed all of them because you know once you're at the end of book two you can go back and you can talk about everything that happened in one and two and we're excited to get to future episodes where we're further along and can then talk about you know it's like man it'll be fun to look back at this moment and how we understood Feyre's painting versus how we understand Feyre and her relationship with her painting in book two three now yeah. three point one four and then there's future books. I don't even know what's going to, like, I don't even know what's going to happen with those. Um, okay. So on that note, that was kind of one of, one of the things I wanted to talk about today was like biggest personal themes for us. And this is one of those episodes where I do hope our listener, listeners will go over and join the Circle community and will share their insights because there's so much in a book. But I was thinking about today, I'm like, what's the... 
what's what's the thing that I most took away from the read through this time? And it's been different every single time. Like every time I've read it, there's been a different thing that has stood out to me, a different thing that's been impactful. But I'm like, if I had to, if I had to look at the whole book and like one parallel that's like most parallel with my life, what would it be? So I'm curious to hear yours. Well, you as well. gotta go first because I have no idea. Mine's gonna have to come to me. Well, but I, but I feel I'm like, but I was like, I feel like you just kind of like shared one. I'm like, was that yours? Because I mentioned before that I might ask that question. Maybe. I'm like, I'm like, was that your answer to the question? Maybe. Was it like not I being embarrassed? Because okay, friend. But if you came out <laughs> of this with like a, don't be embarrassed of your dream, and like this book helps you realize that like you still want to do acting. Well, I still know that. Like I. But like, and I know that I'm like, just as soon as as soon as the kids are, you know, as soon as my youngest is a little less dependent, then I'm like, that's that's what I, that's where I'm heading with everything. When I have some money to spend and some, I mean, even if right now, even at the level of dependency she has, I could pay some, I could pay a nanny to, if there was yeah. a great enough nanny who was just yeah so fun and like a little yeah. mary poppins then i could totally go do so it wasn't intensive training and launch myself back into that whole world so it wasn't yeah so so i guess what you were saying wasn't so much like oh my gosh i didn't know that but more like a there's a part of me that's embarrassed that i want that there is yeah, yeah. but but it was more so seeing it wasn't so much about me it was just about other people i'm like okay mm. i know that that's my experience that i don't always admit that out loud and that i might say i don't know what i want and then i know other people who they have a similar thing and i know that they said i don't bring it up when they say i don't know what i want i don't bring it up gotcha because i, I i'm like well i'm not gonna plant that in their head if they're not ready to say it out loud yet but i'm, I'm pretty sure i know what they want to do so then when seeing it in favor i'm like okay this is obviously like a, a, a pretty thing. universal theme yeah. that it's not just me. It's not just these other people in my personal life. If it's the, also the the main character in one of the most popular series right now, then this is obviously a mm. big thing. And like, why are we all so afraid to say that? I mean, yeah. And it is like, I could see how her painting being just something like, oh, that's kind of embarrassing. Cause, and she had never, she, she didn't know. It's not like she was talking to her best friends either. You know, yeah. she had, no friends. She had nobody that she the, could have this, talked this to. Wasn't, about. Yeah, this, this wasn't was, really like a safe, supportive community. She had just met them, and they were very not safe. And she didn't yeah. feel that would it would probably have been an awkward thing. But yeah, it, which is interesting. I so I've had a few. I've had a few clients. Actually, when I added up several like clients over the years who are artists, um, I've loved coaching artists. They um, sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I'm the right person to coach artists because I see the world so like abstractly and there's is so so visual but um i've loved it and um sometimes though yeah they will they will talk about like okay i i tried to do this course on marketing or i tried to learn about this thing and it's all about like what's the problem that you solve and i've seen a number of artists get in their head of like I don't solve a problem like this thing that I do. It's not that important. And I'll, li mm. I'll listen to this dialogue of like, it's like, it's like, like I'm making a painting. It's just like colors on a page. And like, I watch them discount it. And they're like, I, they're, I don't solve a problem. And one of the things, this was not my original thought. This was a, this was something that I heard from somebody else being coached in a group. I can't even tell you who it was from. I just need to say that like, this was not my original <laughs> thought, but they're like, people have blank walls and they want a thing to put on it. Mm -hmm. That is the problem that you solve. Mm -hmm. Now, that's, that's not like ending world hunger, but like, you better believe that right now there are people moving into places and they're like, oh, I want a thing on that wall. 
-hmm. and somebody needs to make the thing that goes on the wall and like they overcomplicate it like it doesn't matter but i tell you what like when you walk into a room and like you have like a painting on the wall that you love it's so yeah. great like, especially something that that moves you and like sets the tone of a room and it can make an entire room have a certain feel and how we feel influences how we behave and how we behave like shapes our life and like it's been really fun like talking with my artist and like watching them discount what they do yeah and then helping them shift it especially when you understand that pretty much everything we do is based on how we feel people can say otherwise but we don't we we do what we do based on how we feel um when well, art for me has been i remember um this maybe 16 years ago i went through a, a this actually funny uh i had just uh let go of my agent here in LA because I had gotten to the point where when uh, when my special my special agent ring would come on, I had a sense of dread. Mm. I'm like, oh no, what is this audition going to be? Because she was constantly sending me on really fun things, but uh, it was like, you got to be there at six a.m., which getting across LA or like be there at eight is the worst because then you're driving right right when everybody's yeah, trying to get sure. to their office, and you need to be dressed like you're going to a nightclub because it's a beer commercial and it was just, oh my gosh, it just was not fun. It was not exactly being the quirky best friend in a romantic comedy, which was what I wanted to be doing, but instead it was beer commercials. So anyways, I had just let her go and and we went and did this live-in construction job up in um, Lake Arrowhead up at a cabin. And, um, and I was really depressed about like, now what am I gonna do with the rest of my life if I'm not acting? And of course I was just like minutes away from being pregnant with my first and that's where life was going. But at the time I didn't know that. I thought I couldn't get pregnant because we've been trying to get pregnant forever. So I thought we were gonna have to start the adoption process, blah, blah, blah. But what helped me when I was in the middle of that deep, dark, like ugh, just everything mm -hmm. was just blank. And um, my cousin, Natalie Solman, do a little plug for her. <laughs> Natalie Solman and Rude, she, I think she, right around the same time, she was launching her career as an artist. And so she had sent me a link to her website and just going on her website and just browsing through her work thus far. And she only had, I don't know, definitely less than, definitely less than 100 paintings at the time because it was really new in her career. And just, I just remember coming completely out of my depression and being like, what else new is out there that I've never seen? This stuff is so beautiful. Just the beauty and the creativity of it just lit something in me where a minute ago it had been all about me and I don't know what I'm going to do. And then just knowing that other people know what they're doing and they have their thing figured out and I can enjoy just consuming their stuff and I didn't have to be producing something mm -hmm. to give and I didn't have to be doing my own creative thing because there's so much beauty out there already. It was so, so art has, art is just incredible. And it so doesn't have to be, I mean, it, it really, it, it does solve problems. Like that is a problem. Being depressed could be seen as a problem, even though we all know it's about getting some deep rest. Um, it, 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 her, yeah, art, art can save lives, probably. Mm -hmm. It didn't, I mean, I wasn't suicidal and it pulled me off the ledge, but it felt like it. Yeah felt that real yeah yeah so the idea that you know so coming back to so this was a, a theme a theme that we saw throughout the book like Feyre's relationship with her dream which again I'm like it was small because that's as far as she could see but even then the fact that she was 
embarrassed of it. She wasn't willing to look, you know, to really say it out loud or to pursue it for a while. And we see all the reasons for that. But I think, I think, yeah, when I, when I look at this book and I think about book one as a whole, our relationship with our dreams mm. is was one of those ongoing themes. But her relationship with her dream was so tied into this other theme of her relationship with herself mm. and her self-talk and how she understood the world and her place in the world, all of which is influenced by her trauma. Um, and that again, that's why I love these books because I'm like, gosh, that's always how it works. It's like you can't just talk about your relationship with your dream because your dream has is a thing that comes out of you and so your thoughts about you in the world and yeah. who you are influence that and how you think about you ties in so much to trauma and how we see ourselves and she just managed to communicate so many of these these deep truths that we all experience um as humans you know, in this story form in a way that was just, just so deep in such close parallels. By the way, this is tangent, and then we'll come back to important things. I love tangents. I was re-listening to some of the podcast episodes, and I'm so used to, within my coaching, talking about what it means to be human and, like, humanity and Faye is human. <laughs> there, was, there, was, there was a few times where I was talking about Faye's, and I said something about they're like human. It's just human. But like human, just like they're. I meant yeah. like I a know. being. I knew what I mean. you meant, and I knew at the time that we were saying, and I'm like, well, he's actually not a human. But oh my gosh! I wish you would have caught it. In the I went back. Of, I'm like, it's human in the sense of. So yeah. I just apologize <laughs> to the listeners for the times you're like, but he's not a human. I know. I meant being. Yes. He's a, I meant a being. fallible being. A being who's not a, uh, a not divine, human. perfect um, entity. Okay. So another big thing, okay, so when we talk about reading this book, so whenever I read it, you know, I read through all of book one and I got to the end and then I immediately went back and reread it. And so part of it was understanding that this blight wasn't really a blight, that it was really a person. Yeah. And I wanted to go back and re-understand all of that. But the other thing was, you know, getting, and this was, this was only like halfway through whenever we realized that she was glamored through the first part and mm. she didn't see everything. And I wanted so to go back embarrassing. through right? And so the idea that she was experiencing things like double level, like on the one hand, she couldn't see the fairies there and there really were fairies there. And then she learns, okay, and so she's going back through and like rethinking about all of this. And then we get to the point where we realize this wasn't really a blight. This was actually like a person. It was like an actual curse and then going back. And it was so interesting reading those first chapters, realizing there's like multiple layers to what she doesn't know based on what she's experiencing and she has these moments where the you know the glamour's lifted the the information is there that she didn't have before and how that changes how she experienced it um i feel i feel like as i as i parallel the book with my life like i feel like that is the season that i've been in and like that was the part big picture for this book for me that was huge and we i think we talked about it a little bit in the podcast i've had those moments before where like you get information and it's like oh everything looks differently. Like you start to understand a person and then their behavior changes. Um, you know, something becomes true about religion and it looks different. Something, you know, I, I've had like moments like that, but it was maybe, I guess I was maybe, I need to do time frame. Probably about a year ago that for the first time in my life that I realized how much I dealt with like people pleasing tendencies. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast or not, but like if you had talked to me a year and a half ago, two years ago, 
I'm already like, I'm a coach. I'm in the personal development world. I'm doing self-awareness. I'm doing all kinds of things. And if you had asked me like, do you deal with people pleasing? I would have said no, <clears throat> like not really. Like it's like, it's like, I don't oh, care like, what anyone thinks. Well, no, it's, it's not like they didn't care, but it's just like, it's like, oh, you know, kind of to the level that like, like, yeah, sure. Some, but like, really, that's not like my big thing. It's really these other things. And mm, yeah, you know, it's like, it's like, oh yeah, no, I, I way more deal with, you know, being controlling or being a perfectionist or being whatever. And like in my mind, it, <laughs> it was these other things and it was a, yeah, it was maybe a year ago. It could have been a little longer that I was like, oh, wait a minute, wait 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 what and like and i mm. <laughs> and i started looking at it and i just had this moment of this like growing awareness over the course of a couple months until i had like a full stop moment of like this might be the biggest wow. thing that i deal with and have dealt with but it was so it's like the thoughts that you have that you can't distinguish from facts are the hardest to like pick out for yourself like it was so yeah. deeply entrenched i couldn't even recognize it as a pattern and i mean i had yeah. to a certain extent but over the past year there's been you know it's been interesting going back and looking at things and and sort of having my world and my understanding of myself shuffle a little bit i'm like oh if you'd asked me two years ago or i would have explained this in this way or here was this thing that i did in my business and i thought it was so evolved and i'm like dang it that was still people pleasing <laughs> And I couldn't see it. So like watching her like have these moments and like have the glamour be revealed and like understanding that this one thing was something else and sort of coming to terms with things not being what you thought that they were. I just resonated with that a lot through this read through. I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> it's such a good point though about like the things that we don't, they're so real to us. Like they're probably just an opinion. They're some. They're a belief that we have, but it's so real and so deep that we don't know that it's an issue because it just comes across to us as fact. It's, it's just reality. Things are just like this, and really, that's just the way that we're spinning things, and we don't know at the time. Yes, and there's no way. There's no way to know. There's how do you point out the water to a fish? Like you, you just can't. It's they're just in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally a thing. And like being able to, um, yeah, to have those moments. And I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, for me, you know, doing sort of the, it, it was, um, how do I say this? Like when it's ourselves, I think it's so easy to then do this inner dialogue that doesn't make sense of, oh my gosh, well, I should have been able to see that thing. Huh. Right. Like I should have seen yeah. the thing that I shouldn't see or that I didn't see, because once you get there and like, it's sort of obvious, it's like, it's like the answer to a riddle, which also, hey, hey, into book one, like once you get to the place where like, you know what the answer to the riddle is, like, then it seems yeah, you can't not, see you it. can't not see it. Yeah. It's it or like those, those pictures where it's like, if you look at it one way, it mm. looks like one thing and you look at the other. And then at first you're like, I only see the one thing. And then sh somebody shows you the other is like, oh, okay, now I see it. Now I can't unsee it. But whenever we shame ourselves for the fact that we couldn't see it before, doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think that that was when we talk about like timing of things, it's one of those things that I think if I had awareness of sooner, I didn't have the found, like, I don't think I had the foundation in place to really be able to 
have that revealed to me and have that information and be able to assimilate it and deal with it and work through it in a way that was healthy. Um, so I kind of, I mean, I feel like I had like a favor, like embarrassment moment of like, mm. so when I was running through the garden, I had an audience. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I wonder how many people in my life saw this that like I didn't see. And um, like I had, I had an embarrassment moment for, for, you know, just wondering like how many moments I'm like thinking things are one way or saying things one way. And I'm like, who, who knew? Like who, oh, who's the Tamlin? Who's the Lucia? Yes. Who's the other people who are like, gosh, you don't know yourself very well. Yeah. I had just a couple months ago, I had this, aha. Uh-huh. I don't know. I wish I could look the girl up now and ask her what she meant by it at the time. But I remember in college, there was this girl who in my, um, it was in my nonverbal communication class and we had to, I don't some exercise the teacher had us do where you had to go around the room and and say a compliment about each person and I remember this girl she was a very stoic person very sarcastic Lord, just saying that out now out loud now it's so obvious but to me at the time her compliment to me was Amanda you're just so authentic and I was like wow coming from her that is really, man, that, what a compliment that is, because she's like not a complimentary person. And then, just, so what was that? That was in the 90s, late 90s. And it was just this year where I went, oh my gosh, I bet she was being sarcastic because I was probably like the least authentic person in the world. And I probably, I was so polar opposite from her because I was just like, you know, just like party animal and talking. And I, I probably just was so fluffy. To, I would love to go back and meet her and, and find out if she was really like, no, no, I thought that was really authentic of you that you weren't, you weren't embarrassed to show up as who you are because to her to act like I was acting would have been very embarrassing. So now I'm like, oh, I wish I could know all these years I've lived with that was such a great compliment. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, what if everybody in the class knew that she was like, good one. <laughs> yeah, she's real authentic, you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it's the same moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, where were all those fairies in the garden, like as she's going out and she's like being all sneaky and marking the exits and thinks nobody's watching and they're just... 10 gardeners around her going, oh my gosh, check her out. Oh, it's so painful. It hurts. <laughs> Fred, what? I don't know that there's necessarily like a lot of benefit for like <laughs> re-exploring that, but like, I, but I get the point. Like, no, I'll never know. But I, I have a lot of those embarrassing moments when I look back at like who I was as oh a teenager gosh. and I'm like oh my everybody gosh. around me had to just know that I was just the worst person and I was you know and at the time I just thought I was great and I look back at some of the stuff I did and said and just who I was and I'm like it's mortifying it's so mortifying so I feel I feel her pain because I had an audience but I didn't realize it because I thought I was awesome because I, I mean there was a lot of awesome things about me there were also a lot of embarrassing things that I never want to relive and wish I could go back and undo but that's <sighs> life oh my goodness yep I have some of those moments and yeah looking back yeah younger years in high school and college and stuff and I'm like oh my goodness oh my goodness how much lack of self-awareness I Mm -hmm. had um yeah so this you know and so this sort of like re you know revealing in the last season like I've been in a place to for it to feel freeing as opposed to embarrassing yeah. To be, I'm like, I am more in a place of, yeah. I mean, there was kind of a moment of like, wow, how did I not see that for sure? But also, 
yeah, I'm like, okay, I think things are revealed to us sometimes in in stages because we we need it to be that way, yeah. you know, or like, oh or and so much of it's like what what we're able to what we're able to hear, what we're able to understand, and like that we don't need to rush it as long as we keep being open. Um, yeah, but anyway, when I when I think about just the season I was in when I read this book, I'm like, gosh, it was so much like a remove the glamours kind of season for me of of understanding myself, and even in that, knowing there's definitely still stuff I don't see. Like, like mm. I feel like I know myself and understand myself more than I ever have. Like, I feel like so many places where, like, the glamours have been ripped away to, like, really see what's true. And I'm like, and also, I am sure there are still places where I am very, very blind. Yeah. Very, like, for sure. And it's, it's always both. And as long as I don't make myself wrong or bad for the fact that that, that it is going to be that process, um, it's okay. But anyway, so that was, that was a huge personal parallel for me okay so what else so book one themes okay the self-talk theme came up a ton yeah now and this was an interesting one because that was a theme i connected with so strongly but that one was not as much of a connector for you right no but it's funny because now i just call myself being like i now i notice my negative self-talk more whereas before i was like i don't really have negative self-talk and now i'm like i'm Oh, totally pulling a Pharaoh right now. A Pharaoh I'll moment. No, I'll notice the stuff that I'm saying in my head. And I'm like, that's that's what Pharaoh would say. That's probably not the truth then. <laughs> it's probably just me with my negative self-talk. Mr. McFeely with a special delivery. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing that's like the delivery person. <laughs> we'll pause. Yeah, it's delivery. It's fine. Um, actually, you know what I think those are? We might leave this in the podcast. Okay. I think those are my leather pants. <gasps> You have to try them on the <laughs> celebration so, pants. I don't know if you guys could hear, like those of you who are going to be listening to the podcast, there was like a knock on the door and we heard the gate. Somebody dropped off a package. But in celebration of finishing the season one podcast, so Amanda and I have joked, okay, see, this is book two. I know. You but it's okay. If it's, that's not a spoiler. That's really a spoiler. That people wear so leather. There, so there are, so, okay, so let me say, so <laughs> there is another race of beings who live within Printhia. That we, Prithian. Prithian. I've said that wrong a couple times too. <laughs> Prithian, who wear fighting leathers. And we think this race of beings are pretty cool. And so I had this moment of like, gosh, I really just kind of want some leather pants. And like we joked about like, what if we ever go to like Comic-Con or something like that? Like yeah. we need to like put Where together our yeah. outfit. Yeah. So I ordered. Um, faux leather. Faux leather. vegans out there. Don't freak out. From the... Uh, Spanx company because they're supposed to. So I think. So I do think it's later. kind of funny that those showed up during the the podcast recording. Um, <laughs> so perfect. I know it's it's really perfect. So I'm like these are like my these are my um echo. Yay. Well, it's not really echo. I guess echo math pants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so echo tar is a I mean, series. Maybe yes, yeah, the echo tar is my echo tar series. Pants. So perhaps I will wear them um, whenever we record. Every time we every, record, season. and then you'll have to figure out some way to, to get your cute bum into the shot so we can see your. We'll have to do a photo shoot. Thanks, bum. Every time we do, yeah, like a like an episode two, or a season two, book two, and, and here's three. the obligatory shot of Lori's. Mom I just I just always wear them in her leathers. <laughs> so good. Oh my gosh. That's okay. So we were talking about favorite moments. Yeah. So we we, yeah. we don't talk. We don't have a yeah. We now joke in our family because my husband read the first part of the books. He quit. We were just talking about that this morning. He read through part of book one. He got to the 
I don't remember, maybe like chapter 18. And he was talking to me last night, which is almost right when it starts to get good. He got so right. close. He came to me last night. He's like, he's like, what's that quote that that <laughs> Tamlin says? Like, don't don't feel bad for one moment about doing what brings you joy. He's like, what would bring me joy is to stop <laughs> reading this book series. And I was like, what? We, ha we had to give it to him, man. He even uh, used a quote from the books. But he's read enough that like we can joke about having like a favorite moment um, in our head. But yeah, so so you have noticed more of that than you thought was there. Yeah, perhaps. I'm like I don't, I don't really do negative self talk because I don't should on myself. Like only because I've I've learned the things to like notice. I'm like, oh, okay, gotta switch that. Oh, should could next time I will. Okay, done. Whereas Pharaoh would just leave it as should have. Man, I suck. I mean, in different words, but yeah, I don't normally do that. But then. Yeah, there have been some moments where it's and it's and I think the way that I get sneaky with myself and I get away with self-talk is that I don't even allow it to go into words in my head. It stays more like right brain as like a feeling. I just feel stupid a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where my big how I get away with it. I'm like, no, I have great self-talk. I'll tell myself great things, but I will feel really shitty about stuff that I've done and I will just, I'll, I'll know that it's true. Without saying the word that was stupid, mm. I will feel the feeling of that was so stupid. That's so fascinating, friend. Because I think for most people, like the story comes first, but not always. And the idea of like, I have an emotional, like I have a feeling without necessarily having words for it. Or just like noticing that that's there. Yeah. Man. I mean, on the one hand, I'm kind of like, I wish you hadn't known that. But also, I always think knowing's better than not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very, see, and for me, and I think that that's, you know, most people that I talk to, some people are more in touch with like the emotions and some people are more in touch with the thoughts. Like I'm much more in touch with my actual like thoughts and what they sound like. Um, and putting words to emotions is, you know, increasing my emotional literacy and emotional awareness has been um a process for me for sure and again i just did so much and i did so much work around it where like every single day i'm looking at my thinking and I, I think that that's the thing like over the last three to five years like i was already a person who was aware of my thoughts and then i cultivated such a high degree of like thought awareness and so sometimes when i talk about it i think it it can almost seem like oh my gosh like my self-talk's like terrible and i don't think it's really like honestly i think that my self-talk is really good these days but I'm also very aware of it, where I think mm -hmm. a lot of people are not. Um, it just sounds like we were talking about like not being able to see it mm -hmm. because it's like, you know, you're a fish in water. Like that's just what it looks like. I think so many people, they're actually very, very negative in their own minds. But if you ask them about it, they wouldn't think so because that's just what their head has always sounded like. And they, it's just quote unquote true. It's yeah. just how it is. They're just being practical. They're just being logical. I don't even know. I don't think that most people have an awareness of really how negative or not negative their thoughts are because they don't spend a lot of time thinking about their thoughts or being aware of their thoughts or being conscious of their thoughts or their emotional states yeah um yeah but this this book is definitely and like on the one hand there's been some like positives i'm like oh my goodness okay i relate so much to what she's talking about but it's also given me space to notice that that's not really like my head doesn't sound like that anymore like i don't like no, and I can still pick it up. And like, and if I have like a a day where I'm like down on myself during the week, I'm going to be so so incredibly aware of it, um, because I've trained myself to be aware of it. But thinking back to 
what it sounded like in my head before and what it sounds like it now. There, there was, I think, along that theme of self-talk, like this book felt pretty celebratory for me. I'm like, okay, I relate. Like I could tell stories for days of the decades of horrific self-talk, but then to like wake up right now and actually peek into my mind and be like, oh my gosh, it's not that bad. I mean, I do still have moments, but they're they, even if I have a thought and even if it feels true, it feels less true than it ever has. And like, it, it shifts really easy. It's not sticky. I don't like it stuck in it. Um, not usually. And so I do think that, you know, that theme just stands out to me as well, because that's one that I've been working on for a very long time. And reading through the end of this book, I'm like, I, my self-talk, even this time reading the book compared to the last time that I read the book compared to the last time that I read the book, I'm like, it's not who I am nice. anymore. And that was really fun. I'm like, that is a cycle that I have pretty much broken. And it's never 100%, right? It's never 100%, but that's not, that's not, my, that's not my pattern yeah. anymore. Sweet. Mm. Time to order some more pants. Yes. Celebrate. No, then you got to get, once you get the pants, <laughs> then you got to get the like. Oh, armor. I don't, know, I, I don't have a vision for the top yet. Like. <laughs> I think I could definitely, like, I can, I'm not quite sure for shoes either. Like, I've got some ideas, definitely something with a heel. Like, there's some pretty great boot options in my mind mm -hmm. um, or something really practical and, like. You need both. You need both. You, for every occasion, since you're going to be wearing these 24-7 now. Yeah. Well, not when you're sleeping, but all the all the days. <laughs> you'll have your soft, slouchy sweater with the leathers oh and you'll have your. I'm so Lacey excited. Black top. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, what is the, what does the top look like? Somebody, somebody needs to like put together a Pinterest board for me of like how you style. <laughs> like, pants. how do you turn, how do you create a, um, yeah, that kind of outfit. I keep wanting to use the words stop. When you yeah. stop talking about it, it's going to Okay, back to book one. Back to book one. Okay, so what else, what else were big themes that came out in book one for us? Um, so I have not solved my theme yet, so I don't want to bring it up because um, it would be so much nicer to present it with a bow on top. But the this whole thing I keep asking myself is what are my what are my innocent fae that I have to murder? What are, mm. what are the darlings that I need to kill off? Because everything I come up with is like, but that's not really in it. Like, I'll be like, okay, I need to kill off my, my time sucks. I need to kill off my, but I'm like, time suck isn't an innocent. It's not, it's not so hard to kill off. Like it's, it's like, I already know that I need to kill that off. And there was no way that there was nothing in Vera's mind that was like, oh yeah, I needed to kill this guy anyways. He's a pain in the ass. You know, like these were genuinely really hard. Like she shouldn't kill them almost, you know, like mm. not almost. You really shouldn't kill them. They're innocent beings. And so that's where I'm like, I don't I don't know what that is. I don't I, I, I don't have any tidy answers and everything that I come up with. I'm like, no, I need to kill that anyways. And I haven't thought of anything that's like <gasps> that. But that's and I guess it could be just I don't know. Like just extra, extra time with the family, like getting quantity time with the kids instead of quality, you know, it could be, mm. it could be something like that, but I don't, I don't know yet. Yeah. What needs murdering? <laughs> Metaphorical murdering. Yes. Isn't, that's an interesting thing. So it's like, so in your, 
Okay, sorry, I might put in my coach hat first a little bit. So, okay, so when you talk about a time suck, like give me an example of a time suck for you. Uh, but what is a time suck for me right now? Um, uh, what do I do? That's a time suck. I don't really watch. I mean, reading, reading now is reading now is work. part of work. That doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> count. Um, I just, I think it, it's. Oh, it's it's oh it's gross to say a lot but it's like just piddling you know like not like i'll spend 45 minutes and then i'll be like what did i just do with that 45 minutes and i will have like i don't even know what i've done with my time i think it's just not having a a firm grasp on my time where i'm just like what did i do i washed a dish i answered a text i I tried to figure out what to do next. I, I don't know. It's it's not even like like I don't have those obvious things. Like I watch TV for four hours every night, mm -hmm. and I like I don't have obvious time slots. I don't. I mean, now even scrolling on Instagram, I only scroll on our our Akatar stuff. So it's not even I'm not. I'm mean, some of that probably could get into the time slot category, but I don't do the social media stuff personally. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's super interesting. I just feel like I lose a lot of time. Lose a lot where of time. I'm just like, yeah. what did I just do with my day? Yeah. Like, I know I was busy all day long and never got to the stuff I wanted to get to, but what was I doing? Yeah. It's probably just a lot of stuff with my kids, you know, like where I'm just like, oh, I'll get you an apple and I'll, I'll go do that or I'll yeah. spend a whole day doing laundry. Like necessary-ish stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's been interesting for me too. So like sometimes I've had seasons where like my coaching roster is like incredibly full, right? And I'm like coaching, you know, I've had sometimes where it's just like really, really full days and I get through the day and we get to the end of the day and everything's done and we go to bed and that's fine. And then I have other days where I have like no clients and I'm still doing stuff from sunup to sundown and it's like still the whole day is full. And I've had that moment of like, that's so interesting. I'm like, what, how much like life there is and things that are happening, um, I don't know. Like, I wonder if the I wonder if the the thing that needs to be killed is your judgment of it. Long pause. Long pause. I feel tears coming. I think there's some truth in that. I don't even know what that even looks like. Not judging it. Because like, because the actual thing, like, so what we're actually talking about happening is like, okay, I washed a dish, replied to a message. And like, if you actually listed what you did, like, there's nothing evil in that. Like, we're talking about like innocent fate. Like, I think that is such a par parallel because it's a, all of that's really innocent and all of it's actually even good. Um, and I think if somebody was like, okay, I have 45 minutes, what do I need to do? I need to do the dishes, reply to a message, do this thing, like do six or eight things. And then they did that in those 45 minutes, it would feel really productive. But just the fact that like you're doing mm. it, you're doing it naturally. Like I just wonder if there's like a judgment that it's supposed to be this like intentional plan thing. And because it's not, it has less value. Thank you. You're welcome. I would never have come up with that one on my own, that's for sure. Uh. Do you know I schedule, <sighs> I schedule piddle time you <laughs> i do by the way <laughs> i'm so glad that somebody else calls it piddling so i have clients that are from europe piddling like in europe like it means pee <laughs> piddling means peeing so they're listening to the podcast they're like 
you think you need to spend less time peeing or you spend you had an eight hour day and you just peed all day long you just pick, but like that was what it meant in my family too like piddling was like when you sort of wandered around aimlessly yeah and we we you and i joked today like amanda and i before we started this podcast we're like oh my goodness are we too chill to record a podcast today and i was like what if we just like stared at the wall for a while but i started scheduling time in my life for that and i, and I don't want to say like scheduling is almost too intentional I think what I started doing was noticing when I was in that sort of space naturally and not trying to force myself to be in a different space. And I allow time that is unscheduled and that is piddle time that I embrace as a thing that I think is beautiful and needed. We were talking this morning too, pre-podcast about like, like sort of masculine energy being brought to things. And I think that myth that everything is supposed to be intentional I don't know if that's how it works. Like, I love those times Remember, it's like, gosh, I just like lost 45 minutes and like my my brain wandered and like I thought about things and I was just just doing whatever I was doing without without it having to be structured and be an agenda. And I actually think it's, I think that that's beautiful and necessary and a healthy part of being humans mm. on earth. It also reminds me of the conversation on podcast from last week about the the 50 50 balance you know i think yeah. that's why you're so comfortable with your piddle time <laughs> because it's not more than 50 50 of your time at least you have the structured ticking things off and accomplishing the important things and getting all that done so then the piddling just becomes like yeah it's balancing it's, things out it's really refreshing you know it's interesting too though like i also want to say like i i have I have a number of clients who are actually a fair amount of clients. I'd have to look up, but like um, one of the things, so I talk about self-partner partnership, right? Like, so partnering with our nervous system, partnering with our strengths, even partnering with like our self-protective things, but like really having a solid um, shame-free awareness of who we are and bringing that all to the table as we do talk about how, how we move forward. Um, and I have a lot of clients who are not neurotypical, like they are neurodivergent in some way, like they, they deal with ADD or they deal with ADHD. And I don't specifically coach on those things. I'm not an expert in those things, but I do have a very firm belief that that's not a problem. Mm. Like it's more so, can you understand how your brain works? Can you understand how your nervous system works? Can you actually be in the most like factual, fully acceptance, no labels, right, wrong, otherwise just like, this is what's true. And can we partner with all of that as we create a path forward that makes sense. And, you know, my, my people who do deal with um, ADD or ADHD, they're not going to be, yeah. here's this like rigid schedule that we go forward on. And it also doesn't mean that they can't be successful. Um, now, sometimes it's like, oh my goodness, like my brain's just like wandering like all over the place and like I'm not on task. I think sometimes for people that can become a problem. I think sometimes there can be um, a need to train the brain to be more present at times. I also think there's, an, there's a lot of unnecessary judgment towards that that doesn't need to be there for a lot of people. And I'm like, I think some people are, do, are more like... <laughs> wanderers to a certain extent what's that saying like not all who wander are lost i have a pillow that says that yeah i don't know but that is me it would be super interesting though for like however it is that your brain works 
all those things if like the thing that you murdered was your judgment of it like your automatic assumption that it was bad or wrong and just see what was left at the end and maybe there and make it maybe there is like oh this like like how do i say this like if you approached it with the idea that like i'm going to assume that none of this is a problem hmm. like the idea that any of it's a problem like that's off the board i wonder how many actual real problems exist outside of your judgment of how you think it's supposed to be <sighs> that's a fun experiment it would be a really fun experiment i've done this with myself too and even again because i actually have judgment of myself for this because I, I read too many books like oh, okay it's supposed to be like this there's still a lot of like i have some structure but i still do a lot of like what do i actually feel like doing right now it was like i got 10 things to do it doesn't matter which ones happen first which one does i feel do i feel like doing which one what's kind of my energy like right now what sounds interesting and um i think i'm a lot less structured than people think that i am because i've given myself permission to not be like well I'm, it's because you structure in the unstructured time i've always admired that about you like when I've, when I've been able to call you up and it's not that much advance and you're able to like, yeah, I can come here for the whole afternoon or whatever. And I'm like, how can Lori of all people do that? She's so busy. There's so much going on. And you're like, it's because I schedule that. And then like I, I schedule free time because I know stuff is going to come up. So I put it on the calendar. It's genius. There, and like I said, there's some of that. But I'm guessing I, I would have I would guess this. I would guess that like when you think about like how my schedule looks and how structured things are, I'm guessing you're overestimating how much structure there is. I've um, seen your calendar. Your calendar is beautiful and all structured and mm, rainbow color it's organized. Most, it's, it's mostly magic. calls because this week there was, there was a number of days when I'm like, I'll work on that project. And then I got there. I'm like, I'm so tired. I'm going to lay on the couch and read a novel. I love that. A flexible uh, structure is just yeah. beautiful. But that was, but I had, but I had judgment of all of that because I thought it was supposed to be this other way that like every yeah. moment, so like, like the idea that when you read about something like mindfulness, like mindfulness is good. My perfectionist and perfectionist brain is like, okay, so we need to be mindful all, all the time. The time yeah. Okay. You know, being intentional with your time is good. Okay. So I need to be intentional with all mm. my time. And mm. it created this, this very like all or nothing. And then all my brain saw were like the places where that wasn't happening and assumed it was a problem. Okay. Here I'm not being efficient with my time here. I'm not being intentional with my time here. I'm not doing, you know, advanced planning with my time. And somehow that's a problem. And like the day that I'm like, okay, if I re remove my judgment of it, if I remove the idea that it's supposed to be different, and I actually sit back and look at what's actually happening in my life outside of my judgment that I'm doing it wrong. Are there any actual, like actual problems? There were like a couple, but they were very, very, very minimal. Very, very, very minimal. Most of it was just my judgment so if anybody else like listeners where it's like like what's a do do i have a high fay to kill that would be one <clears throat> i would suggest the idea that it's somehow supposed to be different than it is and just to even try on the other thinking like and here's an exercise that i'll do sometimes if my brain is like uh, you know, this thing is wrong. It's supposed to be this way. Sometimes what I do is I challenge my brain to go the complete opposite. Like the thing that I don't believe at all is like, no, 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 actually like being completely unscheduled and like piddling with no agenda is right. That's exactly how it's supposed to be. That's and then the highest and best, highest right and there. best. Right. I, and then I, I try to see if I can come up with 
evidence. Like, I'm like, if somebody said, I'll give you a million dollars if you can make a case for this, if you can convince me that this is the highest and best way, I'll give you a million dollars. I'm like, what's the case that I would make? And then it's so fascinating because what I end up with actually is a really like balanced perspective. It's yeah. like, okay, there are areas where it can be a problem and there's areas where it really serves me. And it just, it takes the, um, takes the, the emotion out of it. Or it's just like, oh, oh, so like most things it's like pros and cons. Mm. Oh, so like most things there's areas where it's not great and areas where it's really great and there's, okay. And like, and once I do something that gets all the emotional charge out of it, then kind of figuring out what actually needs to happen next it just gets a lot more clear because i'm not in my narrative <sighs> yeah i'm so pro piddle time though yes it's so healthy pro peeing pro for peeing. you europeans <laughs> european european <laughs> ben would like that oh that's so about funny. as that's about as juvenile as it gets um calling back to our juvenile romance stuff here but friend thanks for sharing some of that stuff yeah thank you for having the brilliant coaching response too jeez it's good stuff but this is but that that whole scene before we even read the books it's like man there it's like are there parallels that to that what does that look like like how far do the parallels go what do what do we even want to say about that because yeah like on the surface this is just a mixed bag of like her her murdering an innocent it's like there's no way that that's ever okay and yet also it's like it's one of those gosh i feel like it's like one of those like ethics questions mm -hmm. you know that's there's that you can argue all day long and there's no yeah there's no clear right answer as to what was happening i will say um who was it you and i that were talking about this that's like we got to that scene and we really thought that there was going to be some other I yeah. think it was on the podcast where it's like, yeah, I that totally there would be, did not think she was going to murder those actually, people. Like, Jeez. Yeah. Like that was, that was shocking. That was shocking. Yeah. And I would be curious again, like for our audience, like how you take that, because I've, I've kind of thought about like, what's the metaphor in there. And I've come up with like so many different ways of looking at it and like what the metaphor in there actually looks like. Okay. So one that I was playing with playing with not like firmly established enough to teach on you know, so you were kind of like what's the thing in my life that doesn't seem clearly bad that like I need to to kill which by the way I do think the judgment plays into that because like it feels like it's a really valid legitimate thing mm -hmm. um it seems really innocent just to be wanting the highest and best for yourself when really it's damaging mm -hmm. um but one of the things that I thought about was kind of what we were what we were assuming would happen is that there would be this like other creative option because like what it seemed like was okay you you kill you kill the fairies and everybody's free or like you don't kill them and everybody's enslaved and you die and i think what we were hoping for was like what's that third creative option like what's the where does you know everybody um what steps in and saves them and, you, and in this story there wasn't one but i think i was playing around with the idea in my head of like what what if there was one but nobody saw it um and are there things that sometimes we murder in our life that didn't actually need to be murdered mm. because we couldn't see that there was another option. We couldn't see that there was a third way. It was presented like, do it this way, do it this way. Um, you know, I think about things like things like productivity or success or 
weight loss or whatever it is. And it's like, okay, well, I want this thing. And the only option is to do this and this and this, right? It's like, I want to lose weight. Okay. Well, the only option is I have to get up at 5 a.m. every day and do a workout that I hate. And I have to never eat dessert again. And I can't ever have this thing. And I can't ever drink wine with my friends again. Those are my three favorite, you know, sleeping in and eating dessert and drink are my favorite things. I have to kill all of them because mm-hmm. it's the only way that I'll ever lose weight. And they kill things that actually don't need to die because yeah. they think it's the only way to get to the the option that they want because they're unable to see a creative third solution. And I think I've seen that a lot. I'll see people and they're like, I, you know, I want to do this or that project. And, you know, I'm all about counting the cost. I'm like, okay, so what's that going to look like? And I'll see them go like do a sigh, like, well, I guess, you know, I really ought to just stop watching TV in the evenings. There's, you know, that's two every two hours every night I could put towards this project. And I'm like, no, like, I think I'm probably the only coach that I'm like, do not give up your TV time. Are you kidding me? Like, you need In to. In fact, I'm going to give you seven series that I'm going to assign you for homework just to make sure you don't cut out homework. I, need I to have watch lots things. of them. Or at least read a novel. Do not cut that out to go do this thing. But it's like, um, and I actually had somebody recently where there was this thing that they thought that they really wanted. And we we had one of these moments. Um, I don't want to give away too many details. Um, but they there was this thing that they thought that they wanted and they took steps and they got it. But they had to, quote unquote, kill certain things in their life to get there. And then once they got it, they're like, I don't think it was worth the things that I sacrificed. Mm-hmm. They're like, these were my, they're like, those things that we gave up, like the slow mornings, the snuggles mm-hmm. with the dog, the the making dinner together with, with their partner. They're like, those those things are different now. And like, I had to, I killed off these things to get this dream that I thought that I wanted. And like, I don't think I actually... Killing no, them I'm was just the right dreaming thing. Dreaming about having slow mornings and right? preparing meals and having my doggy snuggles, and like, and that's that thing is like, what are the things that we think that we have to kill to get to this place that we want to go, and do we really have to? Yeah. Or is there a creative third option? And again, and you know, for the for the actual book, I'm not saying that there was. I don't no, know that there was. But that, but that did make me think of though is. And this obviously is a complete rewrite of the book, but I'm just thinking, what if this whole scenario with having to kill the Fae and having to do all of the Under the Mountain, it just takes me to the choose your own adventure books that I read as a kid. And like, sometimes you would just pick the wrong thing. And then you go, if you don't want to do this, then you do this, go to page 86. And you go to page 86. I'm like, yeah, I do that. Go to page 86. You died. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> well, then you go back and you pick the other one. So I'm thinking this whole scenario of everything she goes through under the mountain, which is just torture and craziness, which of course we know it gets redeemed, but she didn't have to go through any of that if she had spoken her heart when he was saying goodbye to her and seeing her off to land if she just said i love you <laughs> then she wouldn't have had to go through any of that because the curse would have been completely lifted then oh my god so that's a whole choose your own adventure if she had picked speak your mind and speak your heart there skip all the way to some version of it's not true. that and Which... she wouldn't have had to murder those people but then of course then she wouldn't have had any of anything that goes on in the next books unless they would have happened some other way so so in a way i'm glad she did it but i mean and and in her story and in our story again there's like that hindsight of like oh my gosh if i'd just done this different like and we can't ever do that like we go back and look at like what could be different but we can look at 
truths from somebody else's story or what we've learned up to this point to figure out what we do going forward. Um, and I think that there could be some wisdom in there of, okay, what's the thing that would have prevented all of this? Okay, like it was, it was love and it was speaking up and saying what was true and not people pleasing and not trying to like read everybody's emotions and um and if nothing else just putting the fear of not speaking up anew because like okay look what happened to pharaoh when she didn't speak up and she didn't say her truth and she didn't profess love do you really want to have the whole under the mountain experience whatever that would look like in your life <laughs> yep just because you... and you know and you go through and that's i think that we but i mean how how true is that like we're we're presented with a decision and sometimes we make a decision and it does lead to something like an under the mountain experience and we come out the other side stronger you know or whatever sometimes or tired or whatever but we come out the other side <laughs> different how about that we come out the other side different and definitely and different. we can always see positives in that but um yeah you can't ever you can't ever go back and change it but whenever how do i say this i do i'm like trying to become that person i'm like i don't want to be that person that has to like learn every single mistake myself like can't, yes can't, can i look at different things can i look at can we learn the hard lessons in life by reading romantic fantasy instead of learning by going through That's... our own torturous experiences if possible That's... i'll choose that route that's I'll my adventure that one which i keep i keep thinking we talked about this in the podcast so those of you guys listening to the podcast we did a live um, event with our community earlier today and we were somehow roundabout through conversation talking about other books and i was talking about a book that i'm reading right now called stop checking your likes and a part of it being like yeah what if we all just like let ourselves like like ourselves right now and and the, the fact that we we have full permission right now to like who we are support what we're doing think positively about ourselves and kind of go for what we want and like not care what people think. Now, when you say it really succinctly like that, it doesn't take into account like trauma and all those things that are mm. complicated. But there can be a a truth in it. Oh, here's here's how I'll say it. This will make more sense. There's an exercise that I did one time um, with one of my coaches, and it was it was more about business, but I think it works for life. And it's like go. I forget how far he said to go into the future. Go, you know, three years in the future. Go five years in the future, okay? And your business, imagine it's like gone. Like it failed. Like epically failed. Why? Like go back and tell the story of what choices you had to mm. make for it to fail. It was some exercise called like burn it to the ground. This was Rich Litman, by the way. Um, and he, and it was so interesting. He's like, most of us already know what we'll do. Like if you actually play it out, he's like, but if you, if you write the fail story, if you write the burn it to the ground story, he's like, then you can go back and prevent it. And I do think there's something to be said for that, whether it's a relationship that we're in and we're so afraid of losing it. It's like, okay, we'll go to three years ago and it failed. Like, what did you do that like burnt it to the ground? Can we go back and, and sort of preemptively get out in front of that, that information so we don't have to have an under the mountain experience. Yeah. Um, and again, the whole one of the things we talked about before was that there's only so much that we can be self-aware about ourselves like that there's always going to be some level of you know glamour happening so i don't think we can know all of it but most of us like that that exercise was so fascinating i was like okay 
like if it totally fails like why would it fail and I wrote it down I'm like shoot I know exactly why it would fail like <laughs> most of us do um you know life or relationships or it's like okay I have this dream okay three years from now I've not done anything towards this dream of mine why what happened and like forcing yourself to tell the story of what it what it was and then being able to go back and look at look at each of those things and instead of having the initial you know goal be this like way distant thing I want to make happen it's like hmm how do I address each of these things that could be the thing that keeps me from going where I want to go and sort of breaking it down into little bits so all that to say I think that there's there's definitely something in recognizing that as much as we needed the thing to happen so that we could have our whole story like for ourselves to be able to go back and be like what's what's the moment what's the crossroads what are the things that we're likely to face and can we be preemptive and get out in front of them and can we heal the things that we need to heal before we ever face that crossroads so that we don't end up under the mountain yeah and knowing that the reason she didn't speak up in that moment and tell Tamlin she loved him was because she didn't want to burden him and how much that has to say about the whole that whole situation gosh there's a whole episode there thing there's a whole episode there man when it would not like it would not have been a burden it would have been such a gift so the opposite of a burden so I mean like wow the opposite Mm -hmm. it's like the 1000x version of right the opposite. i mean okay so let's play that out like her telling him that she loved him it wouldn't have just been like just for their relationship but it would yeah. have had a long lasting effect and impacted other people and you know been huge and as much as we're like well okay well us us you know fully loving somebody else and being fully loved by them like it's not going to break a curse over an entire land it's like it could break a curse for the next generation though yeah it could be a thing that butterfly effect what else would happen you don't but it's but yeah but like how many of us like discount all of those things like we discount ourselves we diminish ourselves we make it less than like we're either unable or simply won't let ourselves imagine yeah i don't know i think so many people in relationships it's like it's like oh my gosh i'm just so thankful that they love me it's like yeah do you not realize what a prize it is for you to love them and we just don't yeah. Oh, deep stuff there. Oh, okay, friend. <laughs> we didn't know if we had anything to talk about. Yeah, we were like, I think we could go for five more hours. I think we could like, do. We oh, had, we so had a six hour episode. <laughs> we had multiple other, I think, things written down that we didn't even get to in this podcast. But at the end, book one is not, again, it's not my favorite book in the series, but, um, it kind of reminds me of almost like relationship with younger self, you mm-hmm. know? And I think a lot of people, you know, if we think about ourselves that we have like a younger version of ourselves and then we have who we are today and then we have who we're becoming, I think a lot of people have animosity. Like if we think of that as a relationship and there's like, I mean, there's multiple younger versions of you and there's multiple um, future versions of you just for simplicity. If we think of kind of three people in that relationship, um, there's so, there's often so much animosity there mm-hmm. and being able to have love and compassion for my younger self to not despise my current self. Cause she's not where she's going yet to be able to have love and quality relationship through with all the versions of myself, 
um, has been ongoing work for me. And it's part of how I, I do keep growing. And I, I'm excited for who I'm becoming, but I'm, but not because I despise who I am today. And I don't despise who I was when I was younger. Like I have compassion for her and acceptance of who I am and like really excitement to meet the future version of me, but making sure that the relationships between all the versions of myself are positive relationships. That has been ongoing work for me. And so I don't know, I feel like, I feel like this book sort of represents my <laughs> like relationship with like a younger version of myself. I'm like, I'm like, this is like a younger version of myself, the mm. version of me that did have the negative self-talk that didn't really know what she wanted, like the, that was afraid to speak up and say that she loved somebody else that was afraid to have like an intimate moment of receiving love right who went through probably way more hard, hard stuff than she needed to even the stuff under the mountain i'm like gosh how many things did i think i had to kill because i couldn't see another path forward how many times did i want to pull a pharaoh and like turn the dagger back on myself like um just there's there's a lot of this book that i feel like represents a, a younger past version of me and so as much as I'm like, when we're actually talking about like which books we like to read, <laughs> this is not the fun one. We're getting to the fun one. But I have a relationship with this book, like be because I feel like it represents so much of that, that I think I'll always, I'll always love it. And I'll always look and, and it kind of represents where, like where we came from. And that's, yeah. and that's what we tell everybody. You're like, no, 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 you have to read book one. Book one is the setup for book two. Yeah. But I'm like, that's how it is for all of us. Like our past is the setup for who we're becoming. We don't, yeah. we don't just get to skip it. So anyway, so all I have to say, as much as people down the book in a, because of, because of the deep metaphor I see in it, I still have a really fond, I still have a real fondness for, for this one. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It is the foundation. It is. <laughs> Leave the past, you know. <gasps> and we all have a story. We all have a place that we came from. And I, I know, yeah. And that's, again, deep coaching stuff. I'm like, whenever I start working with people, yeah, I do want to know where they're going. But I'm like, we need to know, we got to know context. I got to know where you came from. I got to know what the trauma is. Like, you've got to know what that stuff is and like what, what, what needs to heal. You know, and there's so many parallels in here with her, her painting and like purging and working through her past. And you, you, you don't get to skip to, you don't get to skip to book two. You don't get to skip to book three. Like you got to do book one work. We all have to do book one work. Yeah. So it's a good reminder. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So gosh, there's so much more we could say. Anything else that we feel like we need to say about book one? So many things. This is the part. This is the part where we stare at the wall. <laughs> dun, 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 which doesn't work very good with the podcast. Nope. So we just have to keep narrating. We're just staring at the wall. Except now I'm not staring at the wall, though, because I'm talking. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm sure we'll think of some other things. And if so, we'll record again. But um, yeah, but we are excited to take a short break for ourselves. And then there shouldn't be a break for you all as listeners we have a break as recording podcasts but we both got some stuff going on in life over the next couple weeks and then we'll be back which is going to give us time to uh read and make notes in a court of mist and fury it's just homework oh i'm just so logging through my homework over here of reading oh my goodness fury we're, again. we're so excited guys we're so excited to uh be back in the near future recording season two. Mm.
thanks so much for watching you guys and if you haven't already please go join our community at ACOTA that's A-C-O-T-A-A dot circle dot S-O where you can interact with the podcasts get involved in the fan chats or when you're ready jump in for one of our shared transformational group coaching journeys and we'll see you there guys bye bye